Dread Podcast Network presents Suka Dick Suka Dick Suka Dick We now call this emergency meeting of the Suka Dick to order and we will skip the usual pleasantries Brothers we have an emergency we now know that Bert Spencer, a.k.a. the Bushwhacker Killer, has returned. And he's targeting members of Sukadik. But our bushes are trimmed. He must have a new M.O. Duke-seeking. What? Well, for the time being, we encourage all Sukadik members to lay low outside of the Deek Suking compound. Continue eating pineapple. And definitely continue using your chapstick. But keep the Deek Suking private. But let it be known, this isn't an OnlyFans situation, brothers. We will be back. Until then, it's episode 60, Serial Killers Are Terrifying. Volume 2. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message. To save America, Scott Socialism, and Scott China. Stay divine, we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! What do we want it? Let's go! What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes, that is better. What are you thinking and feeling when you kill someone? It's just like that drug. I'm after that drug again. I, I don't have an on and off switch. I'm just after that drug. I'm after that film. We're back. It's episode 60 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Andrew. And I'm Maddie. And if it is your first time with us at Friday the 13th, we are a podcast that talks all about horror, horror in real life and in the movies. Maddie, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, hi, everybody. It's so good to be back with you after our, our hiatus. Yes, we really appreciate everyone sticking with us. And uh, yeah. we saw those numbers on those rewinds, and you guys went back and yeah. <laughs> listened to those. It was awesome. You know, it was really lovely to to re-release those episodes that are so special to us, um, you know, especially in, in a time of great movement. You know, everyone's been really cool, all of our, our, our really core listeners um, who really keep up with our lives, too. It's It's been nice to... You know, Andrea, I'm sure you got some too, and people have been so cool about you know wishing me the best moving and this huge move, and it's been lovely. Um, and we hope that you enjoy those episodes. You know, those were ones that were really close to our heart, um, and now we're back in the full swing in production and coming back with our 60th fucking episode. Pretty incredible. 60, 60, baby. Just nine more until we get to my favorite number. Well, to make that a special a special episode. I think we will. Because you know what's not terrifying, Andrew? 
What? A 69. <laughs> I, I, I was assuming you were just going to say the joke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I was, I was, I was giving you know, a little pause in there. But this is an exciting time to come back, too. You know, there's, there's a lot happening in the world, um, which we're going to talk about a little bit. And um, I think that our topic today is kind of fun because it's one that when you know when we picked volume one way when, when was that what episode was I, it? I remember I, I honestly think it was around this time last year if i'm remembering right so so about a year ago you know we knew that like listen there's so much that we can do with serial killers that we'll do another volume probably over and over and over again so you know this is volume two we'll probably do more volumes i would assume yeah, I mean, I could see us doing this normally like once a year. Yeah, I think so too, and I think people dig it. So here we are for this one. Yeah, so why don't we get right into it? Serial Killers Are Terrifying, Volume 2. Maddie, uh, before we get into our main topic, why don't you take us through the Certified Terrifying Corner? Ooh, sounds like fun, because guess what? The world is still fucked up no matter where you live. Um, so two main things we're bringing up, uh, in this episode in the second half of August, 2021, the first is climate change. Look, we all know it's bad, but the UN report that just came out last week, it's not great, Andrew. Um, and it really spells out kind of like certain doom for the planet in a lot of ways, like unless we make big changes right now. Huge uh, rises in the sea level, which we're already seeing. Storms that are going to be way more intense and way more uh, harmful to both the environment and to the people that live in those environments. It's not looking good. Have you heard about this report? Uh, yeah, I haven't read the whole thing, but I've more more heard like anecdotal things that are going on in the world that have never yeah. happened before. So some of the things I've heard about are like the Colorado River water shortage. That's like yeah. the first time in forever that they've had a shortage there. So they're limiting water out there. And that's already a desert. So it <laughs> can't be good for yeah. them. I mean, and then. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And then the, all the, the other one that I heard is that it for, it rained in Greenland for like the first time ever instead of snowed. So. Yeah. <laughs> Not good I mean, people. I mean, honestly, it's pretty fucked up. And like, you know, it's either like you have way too much water or you have like no water. Yeah. And, or yeah. it's like you have like you have way too many storms or you don't have any rainstorms. And the world is kind of caught in this like in between phase right now, which actually leads me to my second point uh, or, or the, you know, the second point of our terrifying corner, which is Afghanistan. Unless you've been hiding under a rock. You should know by now that Afghanistan has fallen to the Taliban and America has completely abandoned all of the people there, along with pretty much all of our allies. It's a terrible situation. It's really rotten. Um, we had an episode on climate change back in the day, I think in our in the 30s, didn't we? Uh, I actually think it's in the aughts, like in the teens. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it was even earlier than I thought. But if, if reaching back to that episode, one of the things that we actually talked about is how really when it comes to climate change, war is a big part of it. Because when it comes to climate change, what is something that comes into play? Resources. And resources are very limited. And there is a lot of, you know, theorizing right now that, hey, the Taliban, they're not stupid. Like, it's not just because they want to be like religious fucking freaks and like be weird to women and to gay people. Like part of it is because they're worried that their little tribe isn't going to have enough resources to get by. 
And so how do you get that? You do this and you shove other people off into refugee status. So it's a little bit fucked up, but that's something to think about. You know, a lot of the movement of refugees, it it depends on climate change right now and how it's working. Um, So it's bad. But beyond that point, going into Afghanistan in general, it's so bad right now. I mean, uh, as an American, especially an American living abroad right now, I'm really feeling sort of the pinch with this. Like, this war has been going for over half of my life now. And just thinking about the people there that our country, that my tax dollars have now abandoned, it really makes me sick. I don't know. I've had a really hard time with it this week. How are you dealing with this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of an up and down situation for me because you see these videos and you you see these pictures and all these images and everything that's happening over there. And it's it's constant news cycle right now um, mm. of what's going on. And it, it's hard to believe that this is something that happened I mean, started, excuse me, when I was in high school. I was in high school when this started. So, and now there's such an immense feeling of, um, I can't do anything about it. Like, I feel so helpless in the situation that I kind of don't know how to feel. Like, it's it's very very numbing for me. I get it. I get it. Um, You know, one thing that I did, not not to go too far into this, but I I was feeling, actually, yesterday, I was feeling pretty helpless about it. I, I read the story about... Um, the 17-year-old soccer player in the Afghan Youth League. His name was uh, Zaki Anwari. And if you heard about the planes taking off from the airport, the U.S. planes, Zaki Anwari is the young guy that held on to the um, like the landing gear, basically, when the plane was taking off, the U.S. military plane. And when it got up in the air, he fell off the fucking plane. Jeez. A 17-year-old kid. Um, and they, they found a part of his body when the fucking plane landed. It was awful. Um, that made me feel pretty helpless. I, I started looking for resources right away, you know, like, like any, you know, weird American. Um, and I, fi- I did find this one charity that, I don't know, maybe some of you might want to donate to. Think about it. I gave them 50 bucks. They're called the Rainbow Railroad. They're out of Canada. I've heard of this. Um, I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah. And they, they help LGBT refugees get out of really tough places. I gave him 50 bucks, you know, if you want to give him five or like a dollar or a hundred, I don't know, whatever you can afford. It made, it, it made me feel like I was doing something. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, for sure. If you check them out, it's ra- rainbowrailroad.org. Um, they're in Canada. Like I said, I think they're in Toronto um, and they're totally legit. You know, they have, you know, reports out there and everything. So I would recommend if you're inclined that way, donate to them or donate donate to somebody i don't know i'm sorry i'm laughing at your comment they have reports <laughs> well you, you know what i mean it's like it's like you know you you know that a, you know that a nonprofit is like good if they've got like their reports on their fucking website it's just hilarious i know i know they, they, they got reports don't worry they got reports <laughs> yeah. that's a way to make a laugh out of something terrible yeah. anyways that is our terrifying corner look maybe there would be more points to this but fucking <laughs> look those are two really fucking big ones. So that's we, we don't want it to be completely negative all the time. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Also, Andrew, before we go into our topic, how is your new condo? Tell us about it. It's going good. We're pretty much settled. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a, like we had a first HOA meeting, which is ridiculous. Oh wow! But um, are you like, are you an are you an officer already? No, not yet. Um, I, I think I'll wait for a little while before I take on folks, yet another job. Folks, did, did you hear how he said, no, not yet? 
Uh, but no, things are going good. Um, we good. are in here. We've been enjoying the uh, the deck that we have now. We didn't have really like dedicated outdoor space at our last place, so this yeah. is like just ours, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, it's been going good. What about That's you? Good, good. Um, so for folks uh, that have been listening, they they know that I've moved to Ireland. But actually, I'm not in Ireland right now. I'm in England. And let me tell you why. Because the Irish government moves a little slow sometimes, like a lot of governments, when it comes to your visa. So They're all on I'm vacation actually, in August. <laughs> yeah, trust me. This is, this is a high European vacation season. So I'm actually in England. I'll be here for about a month. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky to be staying with one of my best friends, Bridget, and her husband, Robin in St. Albans, which is a very, very charming place. I'm not joking. If you get the chance to go to St. Albans in England, it's just it's just north of London. It is so charming. It's so lovely. There are pubs everywhere. It's it's one of those places where like you think of England like this is the place that you're thinking of. Yeah. Probably. You know, like like sure. cobblestone paths and like little tiny pubs and shit. It's wonderful. So I am here until my work visa is, you know, the last touches on it are finally approved, which will happen very shortly. But um I need to be out of the state while that happens because when you are immigrating somewhere else, emigrating, I should say, you should not break the law. Trust me on this. <laughs> so I am not breaking the law. I am in England until I am legal. So that's where I am. I'm having a great time. It's lovely. I'm so lucky to be with people that I love and that love me. Um, and it's really cool. Cool. You ready to talk about some serial killers? Yeah. You know what I am? Because I'll tell you what else. Uh, during this hiatus, I have been ready to talk about some spooky shit. And finally, yeah. we're here. We're fucking here, dude. Yeah, so. and you know, as always, if you're a first-time listener, we do cover some pretty heavy subjects, but we try to do it with as much levity as we can, given the subject matter. Yeah. So, I mean, just buckle up. I mean, listen, we're, we're gay. <laughs> so anyways, um, we're going to go straight into this first topic. Um, so speaking of Afghanistan um, and thinking about serial killers, you're probably wondering where I'm going with this. So am I. But here's the thing. Um, I wanted to sort of bring maybe a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a different type of serial killer to this, because what I'm going to talk about, um, it's all in light of what's happened in Afghanistan and bringing a different story of serial killers to the game. They're not officially serial killers, but given their methods, given their numbers, and given their insanely disgusting murders, they're all in my book as serial killers. And this is the story of a rogue U.S. Army company, the Bravo Company in Afghanistan, who, from 2009 to 2011, targeted, hunted, and killed innocent Afghani civilians, many of them children, which is pretty fucked up. Is there a reason that it was only over two years? Um, yeah, because they finally got caught. Okay, that's what um, I, that's what I was that's what I was hoping for. But <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I mean, even that was pretty tough. And and what you learn in the story, and, I, and look, you know, I'm not going to go too deep in the story because there's actually an A24 movie that came out called The Kill Team uh, two years ago in 2019. Remember 2019 when things were normal? Yeah, and, you know, there there wasn't a pandemic. Um, anyways, there, um, there was a movie that came out that's literally all about this. There's also a documentary um, called The Kill Team. You do have to rent it in most cases, I think. Some of you might have it on demand. 
Um, but the, the the kill team is what this this company was sort of nicknamed. Um, it's disgusting what happened because also on top of it all, the Pentagon tried to cover it up. And this is part of what journalism, especially journalism from from sources that maybe people sometimes kind of laugh at. Like, for example, one of the big journalistic um, sources that broke the story was Rolling Fucking Stone. Oh, wow. Rolling, Rolling Stone in America and Der Spiegel in, in Germany. They're the ones who published the photos of what happened. Oh, and yeah. Really I read important. Der Spiegel all the time. Yeah, right. Der Spiegel <laughs> und Sprockets. Welcome to Sprockets. Um it's important because the photos of what happened really turned people around. It's like it's like if you think about like during the Iraq War, if you remember that that one prison, Abu Ghraib, yeah. And when the when the photos came out of there, that really sort of turned people in America around on thinking about like, wait a minute, what the fuck are we doing there? This was another case where that happened. Um, the Bravo Company was headed by Staff Sergeant Gibbs. Um, and there were a number of people who were involved in this. I won't give their ranks, but I'll say their names were Andrew Holmes, Michael Wagnon, Jeremy Warlock, and Adam Winfield. Um, mostly, you know, these are guys that were just bored. Um, and, like, you you hear about this a lot when it comes to, to the war in Afghanistan. That, like, a lot of what was happening for soldiers was either, like, really intense fighting or really intense boredom. Like, they were, like, out there, like, fucking, like, going through the shit and like their friends were getting killed or on the other side of it, they were just like in these like shacks in the middle of the desert, nothing to do watching movies, like just bored out of their fucking minds. And a lot of this came out of boredom. Um, a lot of it came out of like this, this sick instinct that their countrymen, their, their fellow Americans were being killed in Afghanistan by Hajis, as they would call them. Um, I would never say that word, but by Afghanistani, by, by Afghani citizens, um, and that they had to do something about it, that they had to be more proactive about it. They were stationed in the middle of a war-torn country in a, a, and truly you know, a, a, a veritable wasteland. And a lot of this is also that these were young men who really had no business being fucking armed and given really essential autonomy over the lives of Afghani citizens around them, especially Jeremy Warlock. Jeremy Warlock is um, somebody who came into the army when the army in, tw in, in 2009 was low on soldiers. They started to sort of like drop, or I should say lower the bar on the people that they were admitting in. And this is somebody from Alaska who had a number of problems. He had like a bunch of DUIs. He had a bunch of, of, um, of, of uh, what do you call them, um, assault charges. He'd been in a bunch of bar fights, a lot of this, a lot of that. He had lost a bunch of jobs. He was nowhere near somebody that you want to let into the army and give a fucking gun. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> so thinking about the story, and you know what I'm going to tell you comes from multiple sources in Wikipedia. Um, the main things that you need to know about is that there were three staged killings that we know about. Um, and all three of these took place in the Maywand district of Afghanistan. In 2010, in January, in the village of La Mohammed Kaleh, 15 year old, 15 years old, Gulmadin was doing farm work for his father. He was unarmed and he was killed by means of throwing a fragmentary grenade at him and shooting him with a rifle. Basically, what that means is that they threw a grenade to sort of like distract him and also to stage the fucking scene. And then they just killed him 
because he was standing there. That's it. He didn't have a gun. He had nothing. He was a farmer's fucking kid. Um, it got carried out by Jeremy Morlock and Andrew Holmes. Uh, Calvin Gims ordered them to do it. When they went over to his body after it was done to stage the scene even further, they stripped him, took off all of his clothes. They took a bunch of photos with him. There's one photo where Jeremy Morlock is holding up the kid's fucking dead head with blood all over his face, looking in the camera, and he's giving a thumbs fucking up to the camera. Imagine that. And after it was done, Gibbs, the staff sergeant, he carried around this pair of like surgeon scissors. He cut off that boy's fucking pinky. And in order to identify the boy, they found an elder from the fucking village to come in and say like, who, well, you know, who is this? Because they had to like, you know, after they murdered him, they had to make it look official and like, like get it identified. The person that they brought in to identify him, they didn't even realize this, was the kid's father. No. So the first time the father comes in to see him, he's dead like that on That's the ground. That's awful. With no pinky and his son is fucking naked on the ground and the Afghan son. Like, can you fucking imagine yeah. that? It's terrible. Absolutely fucking terrible. On February 22nd of that same year, using thermal imagery, the soldiers discovered Marak Aga curled in a ball by a roadside. The soldiers killed him, and they kept part of his skull. It was discovered later that Aga probably had developmental disabilities. Um, he, he was a little slow in the village. I hate to use that word, but I think you, you know what I mean when I say that. Um, and he was agitated when he was surrounded by all these people. Things started happening. And they just shot him and killed him. Um, the uh, the soldiers kept his pinky as well, and parts of his skull. Like I said earlier, he was also oh, deaf. so they're keeping these so, things. They're not just doing oh, yeah, it; they're keeping yeah, them. Trophies. Oh god, yeah, these are fucking trophies. Um, and so he couldn't even hear like what they were saying to him. You know what I mean? Imagine how terrifying that really had to be. In May of 2010, Mullah Adahad was attacked with a grenade and fatally shot by these same soldiers. Um, three days after he was murdered, members of a striker platoon, um, the striker is like the, the vehicle that they were in, they returned to his village. Tribal elders complained to army officers that the cleric, uh, who was that the person I just mentioned, had been unarmed and that the shooting was a complete setup. The guy was shot because he took an aggressive action against coalition forces. Lieutenant Stefan Moye, the platoon leader, explained to village residents in Kuala Day. We didn't just fucking come over here and just shoot him randomly. We don't do that. The conversation was recorded by a photojournalist. Um, unfortunately, that's exactly what fucking happened. And that later came out in court that it was a complete setup, that none of it ever happened. Um, this guy was a well-respected elder and cleric, um, and cleric in this case would mean like you know, sort of like a mullah, like a priest in in, the, in that village. Um, people loved him, and there was no reason for him to be killed except for the fact that he was a citizen of Afghanistan. His skin was darker than theirs, and they just wanted to go out and actually murder people. That's all that this was about. That's it. Um, the soldiers collected the trophies from these murders. Uh, like I already told you, Gibbs carried a, a pair of, of surgeon's scissors. They were razor sharp. He cut off the pinkies of, uh, of their victims. Um, like I told you earlier, too, Der Spiegel and Rolling Stone published those photos. If you haven't seen them, 
Um, I think that you should go look at them if you're an American. I'm not going to lie to you. They're really awful to look at. They're really, they're really bad. But I think you should go look at them, especially in this time when now we've left Afghanistan and it's going to be all who and ha and hey and who about U.S. soldiers. And look, I have two nephews that were in Afghanistan and they did the shit when they were there. I have one nephew that was in the Korangal for many, many months in the worst part of the fighting. So I understand like what our, uh, what, what our people did there and what they gave up for a war that we should have never been fighting in the first place. All of that being said, the, the terror that we inflicted on Afghan citizens is insanely awful. And now that we've abandoned them and we're like limiting the number of refugees that can come into our country, every American who's hearing my voice, I encourage you to be both ashamed, but also like ready to act about it. So, you know, I, I, I chose this story really carefully when thinking about serial killers because I think that these motherfuckers are, even if they aren't officially serial killers, because here's one more thing for you to know. Even after those stage killings that we know about, witnesses have also said that when they would ride through villages on their striker vehicles, they had candy. They would throw candy out so that kids would come up running to it, Afghani kids. And when the kids came out, they would run them over. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So thanks, America and Afghanistan. Great fucking job. It's wonderful. If we've ever had an issue right now of fucking horror in real life, there you fucking go. Most of them uh, copped a plea deal. Jeremy Morlock that I mentioned, he got 24 years in prison. Staff Sergeant Gibbs was sentenced to life. Good, good, good. I mean, not good for the ones that got a plea so, deal, but good for them that's oh, yeah. in jail forever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> So that's my story. You know, it, it, that is definitely a dark and a downer one. But I think it was really important to be shared, especially right now, because we're just right in the middle of reflecting on. on yeah, sorry I wasn't more reactive during that one. I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know what to say. This is awful. Oh, I get it. No, 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 no apology needed. Like, you know, this is it's something deep. So. All right. I am going to tell the story of the Granny Ripper. Uh, I mean, it's not funny. It's people dying, but it's it's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Sorry, and um, she's known to the uh, Russian media as Baba Yaga. Oh, so wait, was this it's in, in Russia? Russia? Yeah. So gotcha. Tamara Samsonova was an unassuming grandmotherly woman. From an outward appearance, she looks as though she wouldn't hurt a fly. Uh, the 68-year-old Tamara was given the moniker Granny Ripper after it was discovered in 2015 that she had murdered, dismembered, and cannibalized her victims. Holy shit, Grandma. In 2000, Tamara, this is kind of when it all starts, Tamara contacted law enforcement to report that her husband was missing. Uh, they've searched for him, and they've never found her husband. So who knows if she was implicated in his death or if uh, he just went missing. I mean, did he, did he like forget to like pick up like the, the goulash well, or something? Okay, I mean, what, so this is the weird thing. All of her murder victims are like trivial, like, um, they got in an argument and so she killed him. <laughs> <laughs> so she is like a real grandma. Yeah, basically. basically. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Okay, perfect. Um, cool. so not long after her husband disappeared, Tamara rented out a room to her, to her, in her apartment to a 44 year old man. Um, the two had an altercation in 2003, which resulted in Tamara 
killing her tenant. After dismembering him in the bathtub, <laughs> she dumped his body out in the street. So it's not even like she's trying to hide this. She's literally just like, oh, just put him in the garbage. They'll take it. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. It's 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 not funny. It's it's really not. But I'm just like, you, I mean, you know, I come from a, from a crazy Italian family as, as well as a Croatian one. But like, I can kind of imagine some Italian people <laughs> doing these things, to be honest. Oh, gosh. True. In March of 2015, Tamara's apartment was being renovated and she needed a place to stay. A friend suggested that she temporarily move in with 79-year-old Valentina Nicolatevilla. <laughs> Valentina. That wasn't Val- I'm just going to say her last name. Her middle name is ridiculous. Valentina Yulanova. Um, and an elderly woman who lived on the same street. Yulanova agreed to the arrangement and the two women lived together for a few months. But here's, uh, eventually, um, Tamara doesn't want to move. Like, she's like, I like it here. I don't want to move back to my apartment. (laughs) So um, they get into a a fight and uh, basically what they they get into a heated argument about when she's going to leave. And that's when Tamara just decided to poison her food. So (laughs) she used... She Jesus used Christ. the uh, prescription jug, drug, finazepam. She poisoned her by lacing one of her favorite salads with the drug. So even she even went out eating a salad, of all things. It wasn't like... For like, a yeah. salad? Um, it, it, reminds me, it reminds me of that one gay porn. Yeah. Show, you know, that not, one and not in front of my salad. Not... not- not in front of my salad <laughs> um so she collapsed but was still alive but while she was still alive oh tamara dismembered Yulanova's body with a hacksaw there on the kitchen floor mm. she, she t- strategically removed the lungs and hands placing them in Holy placing them with shit. the head in a saucepan um it appeared to the police that tamara then cooked and possibly cannibalized these body parts uh. <laughs> so <laughs> what the fuck all over that she didn't want to move which actually now that i think about it just going through a move i understand her pain <laughs> listen yeah i mean i get it I so do. this is we're up to 2015 now and this is where she gets caught and listen to this listen to this ridiculous way that she gets caught after all these years and we'll find out how many people she totally murdered or um was accused of murdering later um but basically when a couple went out walking with their dog they stumbled upon her the body parts in a garbage bag just like by the river um police were called to the scene and they literally went on cctv and they reviewed the footage and it was very obvious that it was uh, Tamara dragging the bag out of her apartment and down to the river. Jesus Christ. Um, needless to say, the neighbors were shocked to hear the news as Tamara had been living quietly in the complex for over 40 years. Um, when law, enforce- law enforcement entered her apartment to arrest her, they discovered blood spatter in the kitchen and the bathroom. And get this, there was a diary laying on the nightstand that contained details of many cannibalistic murders she had committed over the last 20 years. Jesus. Along in that in that diary, not only did she uh, admit to murders, but it was also like, uh, didn't shower today. Like, it was very mundane um, diary entries right along the side of, like, <laughs> right alongside of her killing people. Oh, gosh. So, um, during the interrogation, Tamara easily confessed to her grisly actions and claimed an additional 21 murders. But the exact number of victims is still unknown. Tamara pled guilty to the charges, subsequently blowing a kiss to reporters and giggling during her court hearing. 
Um, she was wow. also known to, uh, she said to the judge that she's been, she's was so relieved and that she's been waiting 10 years for this. Um, so. <laughs> okay. Well, great. You know what? Also, I'm wondering why no one ever named her Grammy Tammy. I think that would be kind of fun, too. Yeah. You know, Grammy Tammy. Well, we'll just we'll consult you on all new serial killers. Yeah, names. sure. You know, I, I'm going to tell you what. That's really fucked up. Um, well, there's one more. There's one little, little piece. Wow. Um, so basically what happened is she ultimately went on trial for 14 murders. That was kind of what they deemed as uh, that they could gather evidence to, obviously. Sure. Uh, and she was administered uh, a forensic psychiatric exam in 2015, and she was found to be a danger to others and herself you don't she say. actually she actually never went to prison she was admitted to a psychiatric hospital in kazan where she lives today you know um there are some people that are just evil that might be one of them that might actually be one of them right what the fuck grammy tammy jesus okay let's talk about some serial killers that maybe have never been caught oh yeah bring it on so, according to the FBI, the number of serial killers that are still not caught in just the USA, we're just talking about the USA today, varies from 25 to 50, and that was as of January 19th of 2021. Uh, uh, but they good news. Yeah, I know, right? Starting, I like how they both a statistic right at the beginning of the year. They're like, want to set you up on a high note. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, but, I'm, glad, I'm glad I left America. But they, I don't think it's any, any better in Europe at the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but they also say that up to 40% of killers get away with it. Um, for example, it's really tough to catch um, truck driver killers because they can easily evade detection because sure. the locations that they're operating in. Makes total uh, sense. And it's hard to see. It's hard to see like the link. Um, so the top six as of now, uh, unsolved serial killers. Number six, the West Mesa Bone Collector. I wonder if this is what the Bone Do you remember that weird movie, The Bone Collector? The Bone Collector, yeah. Yeah, I don't I Angelina can't remember, Jolie. I don't remember what it was really about, but I, I remember it. I remember Denzel Washington was in a like a bed. He was yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. he was like crippled, I think. Um, anyway, so this killer whose obsession were prostitutes who are the most likely to be targeted by serial killers because they believe nobody will miss them. Uh, he buried at least 11 women and girls and wow. one unborn baby, which I'm assuming that someone was pregnant. I don't know why they phrased it that way. Um, the bodies were not discovered until 2009. So maybe the killer decided to give up or he moved on to another place to find new victims. Wow. So never been caught. Um, obviously number five is a big one. The Zodiac killer has never yep. been found. One of the most dangerous killers of all time was active in the late sixties and early seventies, attacking couples sitting in a parked car. He named himself, uh, the Zodiac killer. And we are not sure if he is still somewhere out there or if he just died. Eventually. Well, you know, there is a theory that Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz is the Zodiac killer. Something to keep in mind. I can stand that. Sure. Let's go for it. So just, just saying. <laughs> uh, number four, uh, the monster of Florence. Uh, this killer was active from 1974 to 1985 uh, and killed couples who were getting busy outside their homes. That's a very weird way to Do you mean like they were like getting frisky? I think that it means that they were having sex in public. Okay. Um, he also Have you cut ever off had sex women in public. Um, you ever done that? Does, does in a car count? Where was the car? Like in like a like parked at like a like a beach. 
What time of day was it? In the middle of the night. Uh, before midnight? Uh, probably not. I'll grant it to you. That was public. What about you? Yes, once in my friend's backyard in Montana. <laughs> of course, it's as mundane as in the backyard. I know. It was. So. It was in Montana. It was ridiculous. It was actually kind of oh, hot. God. Looking back at it now. Um, just speaking of the monster of Florence, um, he also cut off women's genitals oh, so God. precisely that police thought that he had some medical background, but police never closed the case and the murderer was never caught. Andrew, how do you even cut off a woman's genitals? That I don't know. I'm assuming it, he means that surgically removed them, yeah, like, not necessarily cut them off. Well, once again, you're talking to two people who don't really know the anatomy for women very, very much. I can't even understand how that would even happen, but it's disgusting, and that's awful. He is a monster, this person. Uh, number three is a weird one, uh, because his name is, they actually know who he is. It's Pedro Lopez. Um, <laughs> Wait, they, so they know this person? Yeah, so listen to this. Um, this case is unusual because everyone knows the killer's name. So the question is, how come it, this, we know that we know him? Oh, my God. Um, born in Colombia by a prostitute in 1948 and forced to watch his mother in extreme sexual acts. Kind of sounds like well, oh, our, our movies sounds like coming maniac, out. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> After a failed um, abduction, so he tried to get grab somebody and it was a failed um he confessed to more than 300 murders, but the police did not believe him. So the Colombian police were like, we don't believe you. Um, soon they discovered a mass grave with 53 of his victims. Although he was in prison, he was set free in 1994 after spending some time in a mental home. Uh, Lopez was suspected of a new murder in 2001, but nobody could find him since 1998. That so. is, um, that's crazy. Luckily, I think it's just one of those cases of him getting lost in the system and then probably dying. You know what I mean? I mean, sure. That be, I mean, if, it, if it's that, he's that old. Like, he is he really still alive right now? Right, right. Um, so, two more. One is the, the smiley face killer, okay. which I think is one that I've heard of before. This one actually terrifies me quite a bit, to be honest. Smiley Face killed over 45 students in the U.S., all drowned and intoxicated. The drowning happened in 11 different states, and some of the detectives believe that it's a group of killers that did the murders. Yeah, my 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 uh, my mom and my brother are actually kind of obsessed with this. Hello, Michael, one of our biggest fans. Um, and uh, I got to say, like, there is some compelling evidence that this theory of the Smiley Face killer is real. Um, it's weird. Because they find these smiley faces like right on like pavement or this or that, right by where they find these bodies of young men. It's fucking freaky. It's weird. I think that they did a movie about this like very recently, but I have not seen it. About uh, smiley face? So, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think it's literally called Smiley Face Killer. <laughs> I would just call it Smiley. Um, so there, I think there is a movie with a, what is that movie? There's a movie that's out there that has, the killer is called Smiley. Is it called like a, Smile he, Emoji? No. Anyway, so to wrap us up, um, the number one uh, unsolved serial killer is the Long Island serial killer. He was killing for only over 20 years from 1996 to, until 2010. So in our lifetime, um, has at least 10 victims and is probably more to discover. All of them were sex workers and one child, a daughter of one of the victims. He's still not caught. Well, what a son of a bitch. Yeah, it seems like 
a lot of these, you know, except for the kind of the ones that the last three were the ones in like the 60s and 70s where police work maybe wasn't as good as it was and forensic evidence wasn't as good as it was. I think it's probably a lot harder these days to become one of these killers. I'd imagine so. But yeah, that that that's a that that's serial killers for you right there. So we talked about uh, we talked about the Afghan kill team. We talked about Baba Yaga, and then we talked about some of the most unsolved serial killers. Well, Baba Yaga, but also Grammy Tammy, as I prefer to call her. Yes. <laughs> so I think that will about do it. We'll take our first break, and we'll be right back with what you've been watching, bitch. Oh, what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back, folks, to everyone's favorite segment. It's What You Been Watching, Bitch. What You Been Watching, you dirty little bitch. And if you have not been to a What You Been Watching, Bitch before, it's really just what it sounds like. It's where Andrew and I talk about what we've been watching, you filthy little bitch. So we're going to tell you some things that we've been watching on TV or in movies or whatever. And Andrew, you're going to bring us the first one. Go right ahead. All right. Well, I know it's been a while, but I did end up finishing Fear Street. So I watched Fear Street 1978 and Fear Street 1666. Now, listen, no spoilers. I have not yet seen 1666 yet. Okay. Um, overall, I thought the series was pretty fun. I mean, it's exactly it's exactly what these books were like as a kid. Sure. Yeah. It's it's a loose structure. It's just a, you know characters. I, I think people maybe that didn't enjoy this series as much kind of didn't understand what they were going for um, because it's not supposed to be a super like heavy like visceral like um, deep movie. These these books were like 125 pages. You know they, were I mean? bo- they, they were books for teens. Teenagers. Like, come on. There were books for like preteens. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I had fun with it. Um, I have not read as much um, older R.L. Stein. I mean, sure. I read a ton of Goosebumps, but then I kind of shifted over to Christopher Pike. Um, so yeah, I'm, eager, right, right, right. I'm eager to see where, because Mike Flanagan is actually doing a couple different um, Christopher Pike I heard about books. this, yeah, yeah. So I'll be interested to see what he does with those, because R.L. Stein was kind of the one that was safe for kids, but yeah. in Christopher Pike books, people died, people took drugs, people had yeah. sex, so <laughs> we'll see. I'm looking, looking forward to having Mike Flanagan on the show, too. Do you hear that, universe? Do you yes. hear that? Good. But yeah, uh, Fear Street, if you are into kind of this, um, I don't know, horror light I would, I would definitely go. I mean, it's still got. I mean, a girl goes through a fucking cake thing in the first one. I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I watched the first two, and I thought they were great. Yeah, um, it's, it's just fun. I don't know. Yeah, and like, listen, like the very first kill. What, is it Fear Street ninety four? Is that the first one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninety four. Uh, the first kill in it is fucking gruesome as fuck, and like the rest of it is pretty intense. So. I enjoyed the first two. Looking forward to watching the the third one. Thank I you actually for that think, recommendation. I actually think you'll really like the third one because you you really liked the witch, and it's got that kind yeah. of. It's not as serious as the witch, but it's got that aesthetic. You know, the witch. I'm into it. Yeah, cool. thankfully they didn't try to make those kids do that ridiculous accent. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God, that's witch. good. All right, so that's Fear Street seventy eight and sixty six, and hey, why not ninety four on Netflix? Thank you, Andrew. 
Uh, my first one is one that I don't know. Maybe you've seen, Andrea. I don't know if you guys have watched this yet, but um, I have fallen in love with Coach Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus. Have you watched this yet? We don't. It's the literally the only streaming service we do. Oh my have. god! I'll tell you what. You should subscribe to Apple TV Plus if for one thing only Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is such a good show. I binged it as quickly as I could because it warmed my heart in huge ways, um, especially as an American who has come over to Europe to a very different culture. I feel a little bit like Ted Lasso sometimes, to be honest with you. Um, but if you don't know the story, Ted Lasso comes from Kansas. He is the uh, coach of a college football team at Wichita State. There is a soccer team, a football team over in England, AFC Richmond, that hires him to come in to be their new coach. Little does Ted know that the reason why he has been hired is because the woman that runs the team, she's just suffered a divorce from the previous owner of the team, Rupert Mannion. And all she wants to do to exact revenge is ruin the team. So she hires this nobody, this joke from America, brings him over, and little does she know her plan is not really destined for success. I'm not giving anything away there, trust me. Because Ted Lasso, it's sort of impossible not to fall in love with him, no matter how hard your heart is. I cannot tell you how good this show is. Like, I have cried in every episode. You laugh your ass off. It's so heartwarming. Ted Lasso teaches you lessons that you honestly want to bring into your everyday life. And like truly as a manager in a company, like I have like brought these lessons to like my people that I manage. I, I, I'm being totally oh serious. It's so good. I cannot recommend it enough. Ted Lasso on Apple TV plus Jason Sudeikis is a gem on this show. You know, and who doesn't want to make out with him? So I mean, know. truly, it's just I mean, truly, if it doesn't warm your heart, I don't. Maybe you're not alive at all. My second one is it's it's not good, but it's it's trash. But I watched it because uh, I just have to sometimes. This is F Boy Island on HBO Max. What does and F Boy mean, Andrew? What does F Boy mean? Well, you know the funny thing about this title is that. It's on HBO Max. They swear and they say fuck all the time in the show. Yeah, but they call, call it fuck it, boy. <laughs> but they call it F Boy Island. Really? I don't understand. Um, I'm I'm guessing it's supposed to be like so that kids don't see it. But it just makes put sense. It on, but it's just funny because like you go into the actual episodes and they are swearing all the time. But essentially, the the show is there are three women that go on there and they are looking for love just like they always are in these reality shows. And um, there is I think like twenty men that are there. Oh my god! And of course, it's on like a beautiful island, so they're all like in bathing suits all the time and everything. And half of the men are what you would call f boys, and then half of the men are nice guys. And oh. what they're trying to do um, is the women are trying to weed out the f boys and end up with a nice guy. And there's a prize at the end. There's money involved and stuff. And they kind of don't reveal how they're going to do the money until the very last episode. Um, so it was an interesting watch because you're like, wait, so what is the point? How do you win the money? I mean, yeah, right. Because <laughs> it's like $150,000, I think. Holy like, shit. How do you win? And they don't even tell them until the end. There's a nice little twist at the end. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything, but, um, it was pretty gratifying. So if you like these kind of like 
trash reality shows that I I don't like them. I just need them. I don't I can't I, I get can't. it. I get that. I get that. Um it's just like an escape, I guess, is is one thing. It's it's the perfect thing to throw on right before you go to bed because then you don't have to think about anything. And you just fair go to bed enough. thinking, God, I'm just glad I'm not one of those people. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um all right, what's your second one? Oh, by the way, that's on HBO Max. On HBO Max. My second one is one that I've actually mentioned before, but I want to bring it up because Peaky Blinders, which you can watch on Netflix, I have finally, finally caught up on Peaky Blinders. So I'm all the way through it. Um, Peaky Blinders is it, is, is it over now? Oh well, no, it's it's not over, but it's pretty interesting because season five is 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 done. Season six is coming soon, um, but season six is going to be interesting because one of the main characters she died in real life. Oh so, no! Yeah, Helen McCrory, um, who's a very big part of the show. If you've watched it, she died of cancer last year. Um, and so, you know, they they have wrapped filming on on season six. Um, it should be coming out. I can't remember when it's coming out, but it's you know it's not that far away. Um, do you remember be... when this happened on that Spartacus show? I oh yeah, you're right. I do remember that. Yes. And then he got to be a part of the casting yeah. before he passed away. That's yeah. just it's so so sad, it's... but. It's so Ugh. sad. You know, I mean, and, and Helen McCrory was, was a really just lovely woman and a wonderful actress. Um, you know, so sad that she's dead. And, and honestly, like, it, Peaky Blinders, is, it, it's a really good show. Um, it's, it's very well done. Just the, the whole atmosphere that those filmmakers create for you and the actors is so incredible. Like, I don't know. It's, um, I don't know what's going to happen with it. But anyways, you know, I caught up with it. If you're not caught up, you know, maybe maybe the time is now or if you've never started watching it, watch it now because the, the new season will come out and you're going to want to see it. Trust me. Um, they've done some really great work. It is brutal AF. Um, and I I really loved it. I really did. And you might, too. So Peaky Blinders, you can watch the entire series so far um, on Netflix. Okay, my next one comes to us from Hulu. Um, this is a movie called The Resort, which uh, is kind of a stupid name, considering there's probably other five movies that are named that. Fair enough. Um, but this movie is about a girl who is writing a book about a haunted resort on an island off of Hawaii. And for her birthday, her friends buy her a trip to Hawaii, and then they surprise her with a chartered um, helicopter out to the island so that they can go investigate. Ooh the haunted resort and the island's pretty much um uh what do you call it the nobody lives there okay <laughs> whatever that word Un um, uninhabited yes and um so they get out there they go to the resort and you know weird shit starts to happen with all the and it's told it's told in my least favorite way to tell a movie it's told by like as she's being interrogated in the hospital by the police, they're kind I of see. like, and yeah, then sure. this happened and then they go back and uh -huh. it's a whole thing. Um, I ultimately, I only watched this movie because it was kind of in the um, highlighted area and it said it was horror. And I was like, sure, sure. I'll give it a try. I like ghosty movies. Um, it's not great. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Oh, that sucks. I would not um, recommend it unless you are really committed to um, ghosts in Hawaii, I guess, but I don't even think it's based on a real thing. So, <laughs> well, that's that, that's a shame to hear. Yeah, if you watch the preview, it actually looks really well made, and the cinematography yeah. is really well done. But 
I mean, it's a. I think it's like a seventy-minute movie, if seventy or eighty-minute movie. They don't even get to the resort until like the hour mark. That's not good. Yeah. So <laughs> that sort of is the whole point of the movie, really. Yeah. So I can't recommend the resort, but you know, it's out there for you all that want to okay. go right. take a look. Well, my third one is called "Pray Away" on Netflix. "Pray Away" is a documentary. Um. I think that you should watch it, and I think that you should also know that it will probably make you very, very angry. Pray Away is a documentary all about the um, ex-leaders of the ex-gay movement. Um, So people that were primarily involved with Exodus International. If you don't know what that is, Exodus International was an ex-gay movement. um, Completely false, completely erroneous, a ton of phonies. A lot of Catholics, um, very bad. Lots of money funneled into it, very right-wing. People who were integral in ruining the lives of LGBT people and their families. I cannot tell you enough how much I hate these people, how much harm they did across the board, um, and really how evil these people are. But all that being said, I will listen to them talk to hear the history of how this actually happened. I think these people are shit. I think they are not worthy of forgiveness, if I'm being completely honest with you. The number of lives that they ruined, it's ridiculous. But it is important to know how this happened and where it came from. Um, it's an incredibly important documentary. Um, Bloomhouse had a, had, had a hand in it, so I think that's that's something to say too. Um, oh, it's a different departure for them. Yeah, it is. Um, I think you should watch it. That's all I'm going to say. You know, it, I, I, I watched it on, on like a Sunday. I was so, so mad about it. I was so mad. I watched it during the day. I don't think you should watch it at night because if you do, you're going to go to bed really angry. So I really recommend watching Pray Away in the daytime when you have some time to think about it and to digest it and to go through it. And that's all I'm going to say. And where can we find it? On Netflix. Cool. Um, So my last one is Making the Cut Season 2 on Amazon Prime. Uh, This is for all those people that loved um, Project Runway back in the day. Um, And this is kind of the new incarnation on Amazon Prime. It's got Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn. They kind of host it. Um, This is Season 2. They obviously had to do things a little bit differently because they did it in a bubble. Sure. Um, But it's... I'm telling you, this is like Project Runway on steroids. Like wow. the the level of craftsmanship and the level of production quality that goes into this show. If you even for a second liked Project Runway, you should give Making the Cut a chance because awesome. It's just so much more well done. Like I can't, yeah. I can't, and they don't give them like. There's not like stupid challenges where they're like, here's a bunch of water rafts. Now go make couture dresses. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of nice. They don't give them like a ton. They don't give them like budgets or anything. So it's like real designers making real clothes. And I just really appreciated it. So that's making the cut season two on Amazon Prime. Love it. My final one is called Gogglebox. It's on channel four, which in America you don't get. But over here in Europe, we do. Gogglebox is a reality show. It's absolutely fucking stupid. It's so ridiculous. All it is is literally watching Irish people watch reality television. Oh, they have a version of this on Bravo. It is. It's so good. 
I watch it late at night, like right before I go to bed. It's like it's like my little like you know little thing. You know what I mean? It's so funny. I laugh my ass off, and that's all that I can really tell you. Like if you have not seen Gogglebox, if you have any way to get it, you should. For our fans in Ireland, I'm sure that you already know all about it. And our fans in Europe, you do too. In America, if you can get it, cool. The alternative that Andrew just mentioned, maybe watch that one. But I'll tell you what, it is a before bed masterpiece. It's funny and it sends you off to your bed feeling good and laughing. If it's anything like the one over here, um, it's kind of just like two people commenting on television shows like as they watch them. Yeah, that kind of the same that's thing? all yeah. that it is. It's the exact, it, that, that's it, that's it. And I'll tell you what, it sounds so fucking stupid, but it's goddamn brilliant. Well, it's all about the people that they pick. They, exactly. They've got to be funny. So, right, right, right. Um, I, yeah, I've watched it a couple times. Uh, the the Bravo version over here. It's pretty fun. It's just fun to watch like people react to like either key scenes or people being stupid on TV. Yes. And yeah, cool. So, friends, that was another edition of What You've Been Watching, bitch. From Andrew, we had Fear Street, nineteen seventy eight, and sixteen sixty six on Netflix. We had F Boy Island on HBO Max. The Resort on Hulu, Making the Cut Season 2 on Amazon Prime. From me, you had Ted Lasso on Apple TV. You had Peaky Blinders on Netflix, Pray Away on Netflix, and Gogglebox on Channel 4. And that will get us done with What You Been Watching, Bitch. What You Been Watching, Bitch. We will take our first movie break, and we will be right back to review the 2012 movie... Maniac. I think you're cute. You like it rough? What do you do exactly? I take pictures of mannequins. I try to bring them to life. Would you like to see my work? I think you're incredibly talented. They may just have found the last true romantic. I don't know about all that. Stop staring. You're missing a movie. Welcome back. It's time for Horror in the Movies. And today we have a double feature featuring all those terrifying serial killers. Uh, the first movie that we will be reviewing is 2012's remake, Maniac. Uh, Maddie, why don't you tell us all about Maniac? I told you not to go out tonight. Just when the streets seemed safe. A serial killer with a fetish for scalps is back and on the hunt. Frank is the withdrawn owner of a mannequin store, but his life changes when young artist Anna appears, asking for his help with her new exhibition. As their friendship develops, 
and Frank's obsession escalates. It becomes clear that she has unleashed a long repressed compulsion to stalk and kill. Maniac is directed by Frank Calfoon, written by Alexandra Aja, Gregory Lavasseur, and Joe Spinell, produced by Le Petit Ren, distributed by IFC Midnight. Frank was played by none other than that hobbit, Elijah Wood. Anna played by Nora Arnezadere. Uh, Frank's mother, played by America Olivo. Judy, played by Leanne Balaban. Balaban, very famous name. Rita, played by Jan Broberg. And Jason, played by Sammy Rodeby. It was not rated. Uh, comes in at a solid 89 minutes. Thank you, Jesus. We love 90 minutes and less. Uh, country, both France and the U.S. Released October 12th, 2012. Uh, filmed in Los Angeles, budget of $6 million, but a want-want gross of only $2.6 I honestly don't remember this being in the theaters, if I'm being honest. I, I mean, I don't either. 2012 also, looking back, is a fucking blur, so I don't know. So that is Maniac from 2012. Andrew, what did you think about Maniac. Well, Maniac for me was a first-time watch, um, and, on, and I'll be honest, I've never seen the original either. Have you seen the original? I have not either, no. Um, so I actually avoided this movie for a long time because I knew that it was pretty gross, um, and I just yeah. was not in the mood for a gross movie like this uh, ever. <laughs> but, yeah, sure. Um, I knew that it was... I knew that it was really well celebrated in the horror community, so that's why I wanted to bring it and make us watch it for this. Overall, I thought it was a really well-made movie. Um, I think their gimmick sometimes gets in their own way, if I'm being totally honest. Um, it's told, I understand that, yeah. It's, it's told in a first person, um, uh, but that doesn't always work, because there's a lot of times where he's following someone, and they, like, for instance, the very first girl he goes after in the very beginning, she comes out of a bar, they, you know, he follows her home, and there is a scene where she goes to open her door and somebody um, in the uh, in the apartment complex <clears throat> um, comes out and she's like distracted. So she like turns around and from the view of the camera, she should have looked right at him. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so it, I think it, it does some stuff really well with like mirrors and stuff like that. I think that they that, that they're successful. But overall, I think that sometimes that um, effect and I wish that they maybe would have played with it, maybe some third person, some first person. Yeah, sure. It could have been a little more successful. Um, but overall, I still thought it was a really good movie. Um, this is going to be one of those weird ones that I have to try to grade on the quality of the movie, not my, um, you know, quote unquote enjoyment of it. Because much like um, what was that movie that we watched that I hated, but it was still a good movie. Um, good, I mean, it comes good. at night. Yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. Um, I, I I realize that those both those movies are really well done and really well made, but I never want to watch them again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I, I get that. I, I think that this film, um, it, it does become a bit of a slave to its to its its own vices. I, I think that the 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 first person point of view is a really bold choice to make. Um, but that's really hard to carry out over an entire movie, even if it's just 80, what was that, 89 minutes? Yeah, 89 minutes. Because um, it's, it's it's a lot. I mean, telling a story only from first-person POV on screen, 
you're you're just asking for a lot of things to be limited. And yeah. I don't think that it always comes off completely um what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe maybe as polished as it should be. But also sure. I'm not really I'm not really sure that it's possible to tell a story like this completely in first person. I did like the movie. I did, which I was actually kind of surprised about. You know, like Elijah Wood, I uh, Elijah Wood I go back and forth on. Like, you know, Elijah Wood, yeah, I mean like listen, when Lord of the Rings came out, I was a Lord of the Rings fucking fanatic. Very into it. I'm still into it. I, I think those were extremely well-made movies. I think Elijah Wood as Frodo did a great job. Blah 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 blah. I liked Elijah Wood in um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, right? Um, but a lot of other Elijah Wood stuff, like, I'm not really all that keen on, like, except for, like, like you know, The Faculty, which we've talked about before. Um, I just think that, you know, sometimes he's not my cup of tea. So in this one, it was kind of hard to buy sometimes, like, Elijah Wood as, like, this, like, serial killer. But it eventually... It's a movie that really grows on you, I think. Um, and, you know, there there were questions that I was asking myself throughout the movie, like, why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? And what was interesting was that when I would ask the question in the course of watching the film, it's almost like right then the answer would come in the film. Do you know what I mean? And sure. I thought that was really kind of clever. It's almost like the filmmakers knew that we would be asking that question right about then. And then they give you the answer why. So everything is, is vague until it becomes clear and clearer and clearer and clearer. So you have a very full picture of who this murderer is, who the serial killer is. And so I think ultimately by the end, the film works. And it, and it actually works really well. I was actually really surprised at the end of it. Like, how much I ended up liking it. Okay. Um, because in, in the initial parts of it, I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this at all. <laughs> but by the end, when those ghosts are tearing him apart, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. I was into it. Um, some of the things that... <laughs> um, I thought that the score was amazing. I think it's right up oh, there. I completely agree. It's got a great music score to it. Um, some of the... <laughs> The, the killings are very brutal in this movie, but some of them are so weird. There's I know. So so the first girl that he kills, he he stabs her with a knife through the bottom of her jaw. And then he proceeds to basically it looks like he barely touches the front of her scalp and her whole scalp falls off and like wait a I minute. No, totally. Um and then the second girl <clears throat> who he goes on a date with from a dating site, the fact that he that she wants him to grab her boobs with those disgusting hands. I could not. Uh, yeah. He's got bloody, dirty fingernail hands. And she's like, yes, grab my boobs. And I'm just like, this yeah. is so unrealistic. I, I, I literally wrote down in my notes, his fingers are so gross, followed by goodbye horses, which is the song that plays yeah. with them. Yeah. yeah. Um, his hands are disgusting throughout the entire movie. Yeah, exactly. And nobody ever says anything about it. <laughs> so gross. So uh, gross. I did like that um, when uh, Anna comes into... You're going to have to excuse me. I, I'm going to get these two girls from these two movies mixed up because it's Anna and Sarah. <laughs> and it's kind of hard to follow. But um, Anna, she comes into the store and she's photographing his mannequins. And I thought it was so funny that she, he, she was like... 
oh, or he says, oh, I own this mannequin store. And then she's like, oh, I photograph mannequins. And I was like, so if you're on House Hunters, you're you're basically have a million dollar, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. It was, it was like that joke of like, I'm an Etsy artist. My my budget is a million dollars. I mean, you know, the, I, I think that the, the film is sort of like a prototype in, in artsiness for like knife plus heart in a lot of ways, I think. Um, and I, I'm not saying that, that, that the knife heart crew like did anything to copy this or even like use it as an inspiration because I don't know if they did. But there are some parts of it that I can kind of see. Like there, there is a magical realism to this movie that I think kind of carries over. And it's, so it's not a, really a surprise that this is a French movie in the end. Sure. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, especially the part like where like it, it's in a flashback to childhood. You know, we learn that his mother was a sex worker, like we talked about earlier in our horror in real life section. Um, and all of a sudden, there's that part where he's half mannequin. Yeah, they they Remember kept part? they kept doing that with like his hands and his torso. Yes, and I was like, what yeah. is this supposed to mean? <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's a magical realism to it that I think is actually really beautiful and really well done. Um, and I think those, you know, like I said, the movie really grows on you. I think that the magic of the movie really grows on you. Like those parts, you have to sort of like gently and slowly be brought into the whole, like, um, I don't know, the whole ethos of it. Sure. The whole ethos. I mean, it sounds weird, but like the ethos of this serial killer, you get brought into it like slowly and it does start to make sense. It's never justified because, you know, when it comes down to it with Anna, for example, when, when, when the end parts come, and where you know she, she is able to sort of escape his grasp, if, at least for a little a little while. Um, you root for her, of course. You're never rooting. You're never rooting for him in this film, but um, it it makes sense, and and I appreciated that because, like I said at the beginning, it was like, what the fuck is going on? What like, I get it. You're a killer, but I always hate villains that are just villains for no reason. Like I need to know why you're the villain. Yeah. Tell me why. And then you find out, and then, and then, and then, and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, okay. It was actually kind of fucking cool, the way this all happened. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about some of the victims, because there's one victim. Yeah, please. One victim in particular that I was just like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, Which one? It's the third girl, the girl that's on the silks. Um, as soon as you see her, mm-hmm. as soon as you see her, you're obviously like that mane is coming off. We know that already. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but they, um, she has a, a chase scene that is so enraging. Um, she gets on the train. He follows her on the train, and she gets off, and she says what anyone in this situation situation would say is, "Where the fuck is everybody?" Because I wanted yeah. to say the same thing. Where the fuck is everybody? She's in the middle of a city. Um, which I, I believe is Los Angeles, if I'm, you know, getting my cities. Correct. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, and she goes into this gated parking lot where she can't escape and just yells and yells and yells. And then she gets cut in the foot and gets killed. And it's just like, girl, you, this could have been avoided. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, terrible fucking idea. Come on. Um, and then I was trying to think of what. So there's the girl that he goes on the date with. There's that girl. Um, oh, and then there's the there's woman at the, the art agents. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The agent. Um, the agent's killing is... Um, the agent's killing is ghastly, without a doubt. It's really upsetting. Um, 
it, it's it's so upsetting. I mean, there are some weird parts to it. Like you know, he he has to follow this woman back from from the art exhibit. That you know, she she the the woman that is killing is is Anna's agent, and and you learn that pretty quickly. Um, she says some stuff to him at at the art show that's sort of like a little bit insulting. That's clearly a trigger. It's a bit of why he wants to go follow her. Yeah, but she also so says, fo- I could probably hire you for some jobs. So she's like, yeah, of course. But, you know, like it's it's clear that like she doesn't like view what he's doing in any kind of serious way. So he doesn't respect her or whatever the fuck. So, you know, he follows her home, which was not hard to do. She doesn't live that far with, from, from the art, you know, uh, gallery or whatever. Um, it gets in there really easily, which I which I was kind of like, okay, that's a little bit deus ex machina. Right, like, and I was like, how does he... He just he... waltzes in and like gets the keys, there they are. And he knows exactly what floor she lives on, and he knows exactly yeah. what ski to right. use. <laughs> but, but when he goes in, the thing that I wrote down in my notes was, I was like, Ave Maria, why are you playing Ave Maria right now in there? I thought that was just such... That was a weird filmmaking choice and i don't know why they chose that that was kind of weird yeah i don't know anybody uh, that takes a bath other... to ave maria but that's fine <laughs> yeah and if you and if you do you 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 should drink more wine um but anyways um th- there are some things there that do get really interesting because we do learn more here about um when he says changing your makeup and hairstyle didn't fool me did you need to be with all of them did you was it worth the money I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to keep you, mommy. So it's it's where you really do finally deeply learn the MO of what he's going for. Um, the way that he kills that agent, you know, I wrote in my notes, he did her dirty. Yeah, you know, it's bad. Because the rest, you know, he scalps the others when they're dead. He scalps her alive. And that is, oof. And they show every lot. bit of it. Yeah, I mean, and 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 that you know, those are the gruesome parts of this film. Are the scalpings? They're so gruesome because who actually wants to watch an actual scalping? It's awful to see, but you have to watch it in this. There's no way to kind of like look away from it. Um, so you know, they the filmmaker does a good job of making that really, really horrifying. They do. Yeah, and then um, we find out after that, you know, her agent's been killed, and she's in dire straits because not only did her agent die, but also her boyfriend. They're in a fight. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. So she invites him over to console her, essentially. And that's when we're introduced. Well, we're, we're not introduced to him because we see him at the art gallery, but we are given the Nunez character, um, and he's just there to be a body count and we know that right from the beginning and we're like oh no because you're actually yeah. kind of cute and this is awful <laughs> but um he's not really you know he he says that he got just got his first commercial and i was like oh is that why he axed him right to the face <laughs> between his teeth i know it was so sad um but uh there's a definitely like a scream moment during their conversation right before that is where Basically, they're having a conversation about the agent, and he's trying to tell her it's not your fault and all this stuff. And then he brings up that, oh, she only lived three blocks away. There's nothing you could have done. And that's when she's like, oh, shit. Wait a minute. What? Yeah. So that's kind of the, the ball drop. And then they get into a huge, long, long, long kind of fight, which I was really mad at at first because I, before she grabbed the knife, she kind of backed up right into them. And I was like, grab a knife, yeah. you stupid bitch. Yeah. 
Like, like you're literally right by all of the knives, all of them. And the filmmaker put it there on purpose that we would, of course, think that. Um, and she just doesn't go for them and drive me nuts. Yeah, but she finally does. And she gets her stabby on and they finally get into a high chase. It's so strange, this end of this movie. And she gets into a car with another guy. They run him over. I know. And then they run into a barrier, and she's thrown through the windshield. Yeah, I, I, I was so mad when I saw that. I was like, fucking A, why? I, I, I even wrote down, God damn it, why couldn't we just let her live? Right. Why? Why? That, that part really did make me mad. But um, Well, yeah, I mean, look, I, mean I, I, I like the movie, but that, that part in particular, I was like, come on. She got to die fucking like run into a fucking like rampart kind of shit like what the fuck is this you know they they did us dirty on that one i've got some news yeah and then we kind of just have like his dying moments because he is basically dying and he's hallucinating all of the people that he killed and then it's just kind of a um last moments of life kind of montage where he's thinking about all the people he killed and it's yeah I'm, i'm not gonna lie i laughed at this part at one point because hmm. he's carrying the scalp of his, you know, quote unquote bride, and yeah. he's going through, and um, he's like talking to them, and they're like, "Oh, hey," and he's like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know them, I don't know them," and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, you do, bitch. Yes, you do. And then he was also, she was like, "Do you want to take a bath?" And he was like, "No, I don't want to take a bath." And it was just kind of like it was, it was just funny to me. It was a little bit of a comical moment, but well, I mean, without a doubt. But you know that 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 part of it, where where the ghosts of of the people that he's killed come around him and metaphorically kill him, I did like that. It was pretty brilliant. Yeah. I, I I really loved it. I I think it it's a nice coda on the film. It brings it together in a really nice way, um, and I think that that's a bit of why I liked it so much. I think just like. Seeing it come together so artfully and 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 so gracefully, I think it really worked. Yeah, I liked it enough. I, like I said, um, well, I'll just uh, why don't we just do our main takeaways? Yeah, sure. Let me wait. Let me find so mine here. My, Go ahead. My main takeaway was a, a great reimagining, but damn, is it hard to watch? Gory, disturbing, but an interesting story. Uh, but some of the filmmaking for me was a little sloppy for what they tried to pull off. Yeah. I thought it was a very good movie, but I never want to watch it again. Yeah, you know, for <laughs> I gave me, it. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go I'll, ahead. I'll, no, no, you go, and then we'll do scores after. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So I said it's a little gruesome for me, but I, I think it's a well-told story. I think it was a well-developed arc. I, th- I think that there was some bold filmmaking, but like we said, you know, there was some stuff that didn't work quite as well. Um, and like I said, surprisingly good acting from Elijah Wood. Uh, my rating on this, my star rating, Andrew, tell them how we do this. So here at Friday the 13th, we judge on a seven stripe scale for the seven stripes of the rainbow, um, basically making 3.5 an average movie and then going from there. Maddie, what do you give Maniac? I gave it a five. I, I was pretty generous on this. I, you know, I, I, I think that um, the, the, the misgivings of the movie got, uh, for me, they were made whole by the end of it. Okay. I was just slightly under you. I gave it a 4.5, which is obviously above average. But like I said, this one was hard for me because I can definitely see what the filmmakers were going for. I thought that they pulled together a well-made movie, but because of my enjoyment of the movie, of actually like watching it was not as good. I kind of had to come down just a little bit. Fair enough. 
So, folks, that is Maniac from 2012. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Andrew. Tell him. We're coming back with the sequel, Creep 2. I'm Sarah. Hey. Welcome to Encounters. Sunday morning. I'm Sarah. Hey, Sarah. How you doing? Come in. The show where I look behind the strange world of online personal ads. What is their story? Who are these people? So subscribe and join me on this journey. You never know who you might meet next. Hello? Hello? Ever since I turned 40, I've lost my inspiration. I have no joy. I'm having a hard time. trying to make the films that I used to make. What if I make a documentary? And this is where you come in. I have no idea what I'm stepping into. Together, I believe we will make magic. Aaron, is that you? You are inspiring feelings in me. I don't know what to do. Oh my God. This is going to be a good day. Because I'm a creep, as Radiohead once said. And we're here with Creep 2. Andrew, tell us all about Creep 2. Creep 2. Oh my God, this is going to be a good day. After finding an ad online for video work, Sarah, a video artist whose primary focus is creating intimacy with lonely men, thinks she may have found the subject of her dreams. She drives to a remote house in the forest and meets a man claiming to be a serial killer. Unable to resist the chance to create a truly shocking piece of art, she agrees to spend the day with him. However, as the day goes on, she discovers she may have dug herself into a hole from which she can't escape directed by patrick bryce written by mark duplass and patrick bryce production company was bloom house oh they're both bloom okay uh the distribution by the orchard and netflix uh dave was played by karen sony aaron was played by mark duplass uh sarah was played by desiree akavan Wade was played by Kyle Field. Randy was played by Cave Zahedi. Alice was played by Jeff Mann. And old Aaron was played by Patrick Bryce himself. Um, this was not rated eerie enough, both of our movies. I did not even notice that. This one comes in at 78 minutes, which is even better. <laughs> it was made in the USA in California and San Bernardino. It was released on October 14th, 2017. Um, budget's not available because this was a direct-to-Netflix feature. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Creep 2. If you want to hear our Creep 1 review, it was on our Serial Killers Volume 1 episode. Uh-huh. So, if you want to go back. Yeah. So, we thought it was only appropriate to Creep 2 for the episode. Maddie, was this your first time watching Creep 2? And what did you think? Yeah. Yeah, it was um, just like Creep One. And if you'll remember back to that previous episode that we talked about Creep One in, uh, remember how I didn't know which creep you were talking about and I ended up watching an entirely different movie? 
I do. Yeah, the yeah, subway, was, the subway creep. <laughs> yeah, and I was so it was so awful and I was so oh my god, I was so mad. I was like, why did Andrew choose this piece of garbage? It was so bad. And then I watched The Right Creep and I was like, oh, this is really good actually. Um Creep 2 um is even better. I really enjoyed Creep 2. Um it went in a direction that I did not think it was going to go. It went in deeper directions that it definitely should have. Um, and it also got darker than Creep 1. Um, I think it's a brilliantly made film. I really enjoyed the acting. Um, and I think it was, um, I don't know, for some reason it was scarier and, pardon the pun, creepier than Part 1. Hmm. I'm glad. I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah, I loved it. So um, this is a second time watch for me, but it kind of felt like a first time watch because the first time I watched it, I think I was a little drunky. Yeah, sure, so, sure. sure. <laughs> so I saw the 70 minute mark and I was like, yeah, I can watch that. <laughs> so um, this time I watched it. I actually watched it this morning. I got up early before work and watched sure. it. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I'm really impressed by the two leads. Um, you know, I think Mark Duplass is kind of, in my opinion, my personal opinion, always kind of good. Oh, yeah. Um, but I was really pleasantly surprised by um his counterpart in this and how well she stood up to him acting wise yeah i, I mean I, I completely agree with you i, I think that they're, they're they're good compliments to each other and they both worked so well off of each other you know yeah. a lot of this was completely ad lib a lot of it was completely just improv and it it, it reads well it reads as though it was scripted mm-hmm. um a lot of improv when it comes to films, if you're not highly skilled in improv, and I really do mean that, if you're not highly skilled, it will come off as clunky, it will come off as stunted, it just won't feel right, it won't feel realistic. In a lot of, in most of the moments of this film, it does. I think it succeeds. There are a couple of moments where it doesn't, but I think they're few and far between. And and I don't think that they, I don't think that they leveled me off in any way that I didn't want to stop watching it. Um, sure. There was there was enough tension that it had been built, um, and you know, like I said, this this film is as as compared to part one, it goes darker quicker, and so it really does sort of like 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 wrangle you in 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 a faster way i guess than 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 part 1 does um and i think that 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 skill in filmmaking is pretty brilliant well, the benefit that we have with this movie is that we already know what he is. Yeah, fair enough. You know, throughout the entire first movie, you're kind of like, is he bad or is he yeah, just a weirdo? Sure, like, sure. you know what I mean? Um, and then we learn at the end that he's a serial killer. But he's in this both. movie, he just, in this movie, we just right off the bat, he's like to her, he's like, I'm a serial killer. I want you to document my my life, I guess, and like what I, you know, what I want to do, and I want to, you know, speak my piece, basically. And um, they kind of go through a night with each other. I did think it was funny that she's, um, you know, tw- this is, a, what, 2017, did I say? Yeah. Um, yeah. That she's a YouTube failure. <laughs> I know, totally. I'll tell you what, though. The thing about that is this. So she talks about how she's like this big YouTube failure, right? When she goes through that show called Encounters, you tell me, is that not a show that you would definitely watch? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It got it reminded me of like True Life from yeah. MTV a yes. little bit. 
but with weirder people. <laughs> so. I mean, like, come on. I, I I was watching like like her go through the show and like her little preview thing within the movie, like the movie within a movie. And I was like, I would watch every episode of this fucking show. It's incredible. Yeah, it did annoy me a little bit at the beginning that she was so degrading of herself. I think it got it got to a point where I was like, girl, you need to like pick yourself back up here. <laughs> well, I mean, well, the, I, the, I I think that actually might be one of the failures of the film is that the 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 concept that they had for encounters was actually so good that it didn't actually match up with the plot that they had plotted out for the film. And I don't even think that they meant to do that. I just I think that they probably did mean to make something that was that was pretty mediocre. But that trailer put together for Encounters was so good. I was it was a little hard to believe that like no one was watching that, that she was a total failure. That part didn't read to me. Yeah. I will definitely say that. So the premise of the movie is basically that she is, you know, going to this guy's house to film. Um, it's off of a Craigslist ad, a very weird cryptic Craigslist ad that basically just says, um, do you scare easily? If not, uh, come on over and we'll set something up. I like that it says. Fans of uh, Interview with the Vampire, a plus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God, I was laughing so hard. And it was funny that that came back later in the movie it as did. like, I it's, I warned you. Like, that's a warning sign right there. And yeah. he, he even does hearken back to the first movie where uh, he says, uh. um, I even put an axe in a stump outside the house and he still came in. And I was like, oh, he's talking about the guy from the first movie. <laughs> He even called him. He was a real sweetie. Remember that part? Yeah. Um, I, I, th- there's so many good things about this movie. Um, I, I the beginning where he's constantly trying to scare her. I, it comes off as once you get. So what this is meant to do in the movie is to say like you never know when we're gonna scream in your face and give you a big scare. Right. Sure. Um, but ultimately, what it does is just gets funny because she's just like, "What are totally. you doing, you ass?" I mean, he's just he's just such a weirdo with it. And I do like in their first encounter how when they're texting together and she says, well, what's your name? And she says, Sarah. And he's like, oh, that's kind of my favorite song. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that comes back later with the, what is the name of the song again? Sarah, baby. Sarah loves her juicy fruit. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she goes out to meet him um, and to immediately become... Um, she, he says that he's killed 39 people and that he's a serial killer, but he doesn't really like that name. He's more of a murderer in his He's eyes. just a murderer, really. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I think it's, like, it's funny that he says that. Um, and then, um, what else happens? Oh, they get nude in front of each other, which I was taken yeah. aback from. I did not remember that. Yeah, as, as a first watch, when he is totally nude in front of the camera... That was um, really unexpected. There's some penis happening right there, which is very uncommon in films, everyone knows. Um, so that was a lot. And then she gets naked. Everyone gets naked. Do you understand? And it's so, they can, it's so that they can break down the barrier of wondering what each other look like naked. <laughs> yeah, just like getting really deep into it, dude. Um, but, you know, I, I would say it, it's not... Um, it's not like egregious or like uh, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but it's it's not too much. It it actually works because listen, especially if you've seen part one, you already know Aaron's a fucking weirdo. Oh yeah. Oh, I forgot to talk about the part at the very beginning with the other guy. 
Oh yeah, for sure. When the movie Dave. opens, he's yeah. he's like basically having his last meeting with his previous friend, quote unquote friend, and you just know because you watched the first movie that he's <laughs> gonna do something to this guy. Oh, for sure. But you never know when, and all of a sudden he just fucking slits his throat. <laughs> yeah, it was it was gruesome. It it was it was gruesome right from the get go. It was a kill that like pulled no punches, and I think that that was actually really well done. There wasn't a lot of waiting for it, like in part one. It just kind of goes straight to it. It lets you know where we're headed. Yeah, and then they go on their nature walk, um, which I did think it was funny that he's wearing the peach fuzz mask in the car. And she's like, I'm not scared of it because it's a scary mask. I'm scared of it because you're driving in it. Exactly, totally. (laughs) And I like his little song. He's like, I may look like a big bad wolf, but I'm friendly as a rabbit. God, he's such a fucking weirdo in all of this. He just truly is. Yeah. And, once again. And it's funny. Once they get to the woods, you know, you're expecting him because in the first movie, that's where a lot of like the scares happened with him like sure. jumping out of trees and stuff. And you keep expecting that to happen. And there's even one moment where you kind of hear like little growls and you think he's going like, to yeah. jump out and it leaves you. It's such and it's such a good tension builder for a scene that happens during the day. I would agree with you. Um, and eventually you just find him face down in the dirt because he's so frustrated because the the water level of his like area that he wants to film in has gone down. There's a drought or something. <laughs> it was where he was going to jump off the bridge. And I did think that one part I laughed out loud when he was like doing that arm thing. And she's like, what are you doing with your arms? And he's like, oh, that's like where the water effect is going to come up. It's just so stupid. It's so stupid, but it, but it 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 leads into um, part of the plot, which is the self nihilistic thing that he's trying to do. So he's killed thirty nine people. For his fortieth, you you are led to believe that actually he will be the fortieth victim, and in a way, sort of a forty first victim because he's trying to make somebody complicit in his own death. Right. Um. And it's something that um, ends up not really working out because he tries to do it one way and he puts on the peach fuzz masks. You know, he lays on it on a table, gives her the axe and says, you know, go for it. Of course, because she's a sane human being, she can't go through with it. Who would have figured? Um, But then the next time he is uh, tying himself up in a noose from the banister jumps down even saying before that that hey look if you don't come and save me you'll be complicit blah 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 whatever so he jumps off and of course what happens she goes to help him um it's not really until that point that she actually knows that yeah he's actually really fucked up she and finally it was all she finally breaks you know, it, she finally breaks it's her, her, her yeah, breaking without point. a doubt you know, he might have just been sort of a fucked up weirdo before, but now, yeah, this dude actually is a little bit fucked. Um, and so it really starts to go downhill pretty quickly from there. Yeah. Um, he does have a couple of good, really solid monologues, one being in the hot tub. I don't know if you remember that part. Oh, yeah. For sure. Where he talks about when he was a child, he was essentially abducted off the side of the road and beaten almost to his death, but he ended up getting his murderer. And that's when he discovered that he liked to murder people. And he also has this moment where he says, I lay down next to their naked bodies after every kill and I absorb 
absorb some of them. So that's why he's so fucked up in the head. That's his. Un, it's why he understands that he's so messed up and can't control his emotions is because he's absorbed all these other people over the years. Yeah, sure. It's an interesting concept. Um, do, 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 do you think he's telling the truth there? I think he's telling his truth. Yeah, fair enough. Because he does fair say enough. throughout the movie, and it is proven, he does not lie. Yeah, I guess so. So I guess he doesn't. Uh, he's fucked up, but he doesn't lie. <laughs> yeah, but he's not a liar. Um, I did think that that one part right after the hot tub was really and funny, and uh, I got I jumped. I forgot about the scare, but where he finally is like, "Oh, she opened me up to something," because he finally feels like a little bit of um, intimacy with her in the hot tub. Sure, yeah, and yeah. he decides oh, i think i might kill her i'm not sure and he goes up with a knife while she's taking a shower and only to have her jump out behind him and scare him <laughs> uh-huh i love that part i loved it and he's like you actually got me like you actually got me <laughs> so and i i love after that how they how they, they they go to the room where the pool table is and you're reminded of that big mural behind them which is neuschwanstein in germany mm-hmm. And it's just like the most ridiculous mural in a pool room you could possibly have. But it's also like kind of like a brilliant set dressing. It's just so ridiculous. I just loved it so much. After that point, he kind of goes into a manic state where he is, they're like running around the house, like playing hide and seek. And Uh they're just going nuts. It's so weird. So much happens in all of that. And, and, And really so much comes out. And it, you know, it is. I, I sort of jumped ahead earlier. It is after that point where you know he he really does start to, you know, broach the subject of of his own death that night. Um, you know, kind of skipping forward to when things really take a downturn. Well, he kind of confronts um, her about like, hey, I know that yeah. you have uh, encounters. I know that you have a knife in your boot yeah. and all this stuff that you thought that you lied to me, pulling the wool over. Well, he says that you mani- just manipulated the truth. Yeah, that he, right, right. that she's a lot like him in the way that she kind of story tells, and he's not wrong. She did mask that, um, and things get things get even weirder in a very weird film. Of course, um, it, it it comes down to sort of a, a, a final showdown of you know where he 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 shows her this hole in the woods that he dug. And says, hey, you know, I, I dug this for either you or for me, um, but now I have a new idea of what it's for. And it becomes a bit of like a Romeo and Juliet moment. Um, you know, He pulls out a knife in the woods. It's the knife, of course, from her boot, so she can't defend herself. Um, and surprising to us as the viewers, he ends up stabbing himself yeah. over and over and over and over again. We see it play out in her face. It's really well done, actually. Um, and you would assume that, like, okay, well, he's probably dead. Um, he passes the knife over to her because he's like, now you got to kill yourself. Then we can be in the hole together, like Romeo and Juliet, and someone will find the tapes. There we go. And, of course, she's like, fuck no, I'm out of here. So she goes for a run to fucking escape, you know, instead of just stabbing him, for example. Um, And then she leaves and she's out of there and he goes looking for her. And this, so I like this movie a lot. This is one part of the movie that I do not like is because he goes off looking for her. And, like, I know why this has to happen. I get it for the story. He goes off looking for her. He's been he's stabbed himself over and over again in his side. Like the dude should be bleeding out by now, right? He trips, he falls, he gets up again, whatever. 
And then eventually she comes back to attack him. I know. And I, I just screamed at the movie. I was like, girl, you were already free, honey. You were done. Get just keep going. It doesn't matter like where you are. Just keep going away from him in the woods. You'll be safe. Yeah, and he eventually gets her. And from what I can tell, he stabs her a bunch of times. Is that what your interpretation was too? One hundred percent. That that's all that it could be. And so then he puts her into the hole, and then he gets in there, and then later on, he comes out of the hole. And he's still alive. And he's like, maybe I don't want to die. (laughs) uh Uh-huh. He says to the camera, well, I'm not going to die tonight. He feels bad about it, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then right behind him, she's crawling out like fucking like, you know, Samara from the fucking well. And then she gets up. She takes the shovel. And then she bashes him on the back of the head. Bashes him so hard. So this is actually really good that they did this. Bashes him so hard that blood spurts on the camera. Right. So we so we know that it wasn't just like a little hit or this hit or that hit. We know that it was hard enough that blood came out of the fucking front of his face, right? So you would be led to believe that somebody who has been stabbed that many times in the side and hit on the back of the head, full force blunt object with a shovel, probably is dead. And if not dead, brain dead or something along those lines. Right. So then that's done. Flash forward. Suddenly we're in New York City. Ah, guess who's still alive? Who is it? Ah, it's Anna walking down Sarah. the street. <laughs> Sarah. I told Sarah. you we were going to get that oh, messed we, up. We, we both did it. We both did it. So Sarah's walking down the street. And so we kind of forget for a moment like, oh yeah, that's right. No video happens in this movie unless it's coming from the camera. Yeah, you think it's just like so, a movie again now, and you're like... Oh. Exactly, right. And so it turns out it's not because it's following Sarah down the street, and then it's in the subway, and then it's somebody filming her on the subway, and it's somebody doing the whistle that we hear at the beginning of the movie. It's the uh, Peach so Fuzz It's song. the Peach Fuzz whistle, and so we know it has to be him. So is he still alive or not? I mean, there's two ways to look at it. He miraculously survived somehow, or somebody found the tapes and is emulating him. Like, that can be the, the two ways of looking at it, really. That's, and both of those are entirely possible. You know, I read it probably the more simple way. Yeah, me too. That he's just, that he's just not dead, um, which I wasn't exactly happy about, you know? I mean, it's like, a little bit of a cheat. I mean, I, <laughs> It's a cheat. It's it's a it's a big stretch. I mean, I get why you would do it as like a franchise, but you know, was I happy about it? No, I wasn't really. But you know, it's what it is. At the same time, you know, that's the end of the movie. Did that end it for me? Well, not end it, but did it ruin it for me? No, it didn't. I still really enjoyed it. I just wish maybe it had a smarter ending. Well, I think that might be because this was originally designed as a trilogy. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know if they're still going to do it, but that was the initial Netflix deal was a three-movie creep deal. So yeah, I'm sure. I, just, I just don't know if they're ever going to complete it. Um, and at this point, 2017, maybe. Yeah, maybe, I know, maybe. I know. I mean, it's such a... That's, it's, that's, that, that's like a whole lifetime ago right now. You it's know? such like a small movie, though. You could easily get this done in a week with 
you know, three or four people, you know. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see enough. if it's mostly ad libbed. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see a a person that was psychologically um able to kind of tackle the Mark Duplass character. You know what I mean? I totally agree with you. Yeah. In the first movie, he's so just clueless and he's just so dumb. And you are like, when he dies at the end, you're like, well, we saw that coming. But uh-huh. with her, you really like are on her side and you're really like, wow, you know how to talk to these kind of people. Totally. You know how to like really um, not comply with them, but really just understand them and let them talk and like let them uh, go through their feelings. So I was really, that really appreciated this movie for that. I agree with you on that. All right, what was your main takeaway? For me, um, surprisingly better than the original. Really enjoyed the darker turns in the sequel, though the very ending had me a little miffed. I said, I really enjoyed going to the psyche of the character from the original, and I liked that he sort of met his match psychologically. Very well done film that amps up the tension the entire time. Hashtag peach fuzz for life. Love it. And folks, it's very rare on this show, but Andrew and I have rated this movie the same. Andrew, what was your rating? We both gave it a 5.5, which is pretty good. <laughs> I think it is too. And and I, I love it when we have like little surprises like this. Like we're, like, we're like, yeah, we totally agree on this one. And this is one where we do. Yeah, and I did find it interesting that you gave such a high score to a found footage movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's not talk too deeply about that. This is found footage plus. I would maybe say. we're maybe we're turning the, the turning the corner yeah, on found footage for you. You never know. You never know. It's possible. All right. Well, that will do it on our um, talk all about creep two. We will be right back to close out the show and play slice left, slice right. Are you looking for? Okay, early to bed, early to rise makes a woman healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's why you're wiser than me. It's Stephen. Hi, I'm Maurice. I'm an executive by day and a wild man by night. Hi, my name's Monroe. Uh, You've probably already noticed that I have incredibly blue eyes. All right, that's the end of episode 60, but wait! We still have one more little game for you. It's Slice Left, Slice Right. Maddie, tell us all about it. This is our terrifying game of Tinder, friends. And in this game, just like in Tinder, you slice left if you don't like the person. You slice right if you do like them. Um, And by like them, we mean, you know, like you want to kind of have sex with them. So in this one, you know, smaller cast for these two films that we that we chose uh, for this episode. So we have a pretty small group of men. The ones that we're looking at, Andrew, are two of them, Elijah Wood and Mark Duplass. So I'm going to ask you first, on Elijah Wood, are you slicing left or are you slicing right? On Elijah Wood, I'm going to slice left. Okay. I'm not, I'm just not into him. I never have been. It's no, and I'm not a personal, it's just a personal thing. I don't know. Just doesn't do it for me. Okay. Fair enough. What about you? For me, um, you know, against my better judgment, I'm going to slice right on this one. Just for the fun of it. I just want to see what it's going to be like. Do you know what I mean? He is small. You know, he like him small. I, I like little tiny dudes, and this might kind of work out. So 
I will slice right, but with some reticence, I would say. I get it. Now, what about uh, Mark Duplass? Oh, he can get it. Slice right. I knew that you would slice right immediately. Tell us more about that. I mean, I, there, there's just something about him. He's very a magnetic person. Um, yeah. When he both when he acts and in real life, there's just something about the way that he. Uh, what it's it, I don't know what the right word is. He's got charisma, I guess, to me. Yeah, I and mean, you know, also in this one, you did get to see a schlong. That's true, um, and not a bad body, I gotta say. Yeah, and. True. And he got and he has the long hair in this, and you know how I, ha- I got a little thing for like that longer hair. Yeah, you so. got a thing for that. For me, actually, I'm gonna slice left. I think he's a good actor. I'm into it. I th- I like him a lot. Do I want to do it with him? Not necessarily. But that's because he's not my type. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. Well, you're missing out, buddy. I know. I'll leave them all for you. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Well, that ends episode 60 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our return. Thank you so much for sticking with us and letting us have a little bit of time to get some yes. of our stuff Thank done. Thank you so much, friends. Thank you. As always, we are a member of the Dread Podcast Network. You can call us now. Did you know that? Oh, I forgot to do the hotline on this episode. We're doing it That's next episode. Fine. There's <laughs> going to be plenty more for that. So uh, you can call us on the Friday hotline at 872-208-3119. That's 872-208-3119. Leave us a nice little message. And hey, folks, if you want to support Friday the 13th, you can become a patron on our Patreon. You can also buy merch from us at the following website. It's very easy. Go to our website. It's frygay13.com slash support. Once you're there, you'll see links for our Patreon and for our merchandise. Awesome. We have new patrons this month. Yay, fantastic. We have Alvin, who just joined us at the $5 level. So, Alvin, you owe us a What You've Been Watching, Bitch movie. So get back to me on Patreon and what you want us to watch, bitch. And I just wanted to reach back out to Tim, who was on our last episode. I totally butchered his drag name. So Lucy LaDuca is his drag name. So look him up on uh, Instagram, and you can follow him there. But he's a great patron of ours as well. Yes, Lucy LaDuca, thank you for being with us. And Alvin also as well. Thank you so much. And Andrew, to all of our fans across the entire globe, as we're now an international podcast, I think we just want to really say hi to them and remind them that we always want them to come with us and get get slayed. slayed.